All right, welcome back to the Game Dev Breakdown Podcast. My name is Todd Mitchell. Each week, I bring you news and tales of the game industry and talk about the business behind the games you love. I will tell you why you didn't get a weekend show from me last week and uh, tell you what's to come for the podcast in the near future. We'll have a slightly abbreviated show this week for a number of reasons. I'll tell you more about that as well. And we are going to talk about Street Fighter because weird stuff is going on with the Street Fighter series. So let's dig straight into that. First, as always, I want to tell you about the main sponsor for the podcast, and that is Amazon.com. Amazon is, uh, I don't have to tell you what's great about Amazon. You use Amazon all the time, just like I do. If you want a free, easy way to support the podcast, you can start your next trip to Amazon.com over at CodeWriteplay.com. If you click on the banner on the right side or the top of the homepage or any page, you can go spend the same prices, do the same things over at Amazon, and we will get a little support from them because we sent you their way, and that helps us grow, and we appreciate it so much. So again, that's Amazon.com through CodeWriteplay. To start off, if you were waiting by the iPhone or the computer or whatever you use to listen to podcasts over the weekend, hoping that the Game Dev Breakdown second show of the week was coming, I am sorry about that. I don't think that's the case for anybody. But I apologize. I was going to talk to our buddy Ray Merrick, who is a local indie comic living legend. Um, if you've uh, listened to Next Gen Nerds, you've heard me talk to him before. He's an interesting guy, one of my closest friends. We go way back. He's a great dude. We talked on Skype for, oh, it was a good 30 minutes. It was <laughs> I was real excited about it and discovered that Skype wrecked that audio. I mean, it butchered the audio. So that was completely unusable. My plan is to circle back with Ray next week after uh, things quiet down. I have had such a busy week. With um, We've had some illness in the family. We are building a house as we speak, which is not your problem, I understand. And then uh, this weekend is my wife and I's anniversary. So, sorry, we're going to go celebrate that and not think about anything else for a while. Leave our cares behind, uh, as, as uh, couples should do on that special occasion. So... After that stuff is done, oh, I, I've also got some freelance work coming in and cool stuff that I'm going to get to talk about at some point. Until then, I'm, I'm sort of stuck where I'm at. So this is going to be maybe a shorter show, depending on how it plays out. I'll, I'll perhaps be back to one show a week for a couple of weeks till we see how things go. And um, I'll still put the same love and attention into the show that I always would. And tonight, I have the great pleasure of covering the fiery return of Street Fighter 2. And I'll explain what that means. Basically, this is going to be the topic of the business and news portions of the show this week. I'm going to talk about sort of the history of Street Fighter 2 and talk about some of the most interesting things about the game. Then we're going to talk about why it's in the news and what people think about it. Street Fighter 2, if you don't know, it's a uh, fighting game from Capcom from the early 90s, uh, follow-up to Street Fighter 1 from the mid-80s, and it was the uh, 14th game created on Capcom's CP system, which is a, uh, think of that as the computer inside the arcade cabinet if you're not familiar with that kind of equipment. 
this uh, this cutting edge technology, it had to, it had a display of 384 pixels by 224 pixels, <laughs> and it's one of the most one of the most influential games of all time. And that that's the display. And compare that to any any modern display that has thousands of pixels by thousands. Still, Street Fighter 2, Street Fighter 2 Champion Edition, and Street Fighter 2 Turbo Hyper Fighting all came out on that same CP system. And uh, indeed, games were made for it through uh, like 1995 on this um, on this old Motorola-based um, arcade system that Capcom made. Capcom's strategy with this was instead of having a single-use arcade board, they wanted a system inside their arcade cabinets that would use a cartridge, which arcade operators could switch out, and that was sort of a way to have one cabinet serve up multiple games. That was great in theory, but it led to such a wide piracy problem with uh, bootlegged cartridges. I mean, it it almost did Capcom in. It, It was a huge major problem when they were actually doing their best. In, in some countries, it was easier to find a bootleg Street Fighter game than it was to find the real deal. So that did not keep Capcom from making over $2.3 billion on um, the various Street Fighter II arcade machines by, like, 95. That's all to say that Street Fighter II was wildly popular and wildly successful. So <laughs> what I did was I just gathered a few things that made... Street Fighter 2, interesting, and if, if you were a fan of the game, these these were just some cool, quirky uh, little tidbits. For one thing, Street Fighter 2 has, in the original Street Fighter 2, meaning not the Turbo or the Champion Edition, a Street Fighter 2 match can last up to 10 rounds if there's no clear winner, uh, meaning, you know, maybe there was a double KO or equal health when the timer ran out, stuff like that. If there isn't a clear winner after 10 rounds, the computer wins or both humans lose if it's uh, player versus player, not player versus computer. I thought that was funny. They, they fixed that. They brought that down to like four, four rounds in uh, later games. Another thing is um, Street Fighter 2, you can kind of think of it like the first Overwatch. And I, I mean, it, it involves a, a bunch of characters from all around the world and they all have their various theme music. And it, it's sort of a, a clash of of cultures, um, some people accused it of being racist. But if you really um, look at the interviews that have been done with the developers of the game and the designers, they actually put a lot of work into making sure there was authentic music, and um, they they made some attempt to make sure the like the backgrounds incorporated things from those different cultures. They really did make best efforts at a time when you couldn't necessarily find a lot of that in video games. Um, particularly in the arcades where you see some pretty lazy shit. But if you go back and look at Street Fighter 2, you've got fighters like the Japanese Karate Master, um, the American Special Forces Soldier, the Indian Yoga Master. And I want to note here, uh, it, it's really funny if you look back at like media portrayal of yoga stuff in the 90s, um, now, now it's something, it's basically stretching that soccer moms do. And in the nineties, it was basically like fire breathing, scary ass <laughs> monsters with, uh, like shrunken skulls on They're They're just basically horrifying devil worshipers of some kind. It was a very strange thing. I like our, uh, I like our current take on it more, to be honest. Now here's a good little tidbit about Street Fighter 2. 
Street Fighter 2 has, in addition to the normal players you can play with, uh, it, they have the concept of grandmasters, which are these uh, players that only the computer can play. Those of you who only remember the later versions of Street Fighter 2, you could play all the characters right from the start. But originally, players like Vega, M. Bison, um, Balrog, these, these uh, characters were only, and uh, Dalsim, actually, these players were only computer players in the first version. So the funny thing with uh, Balrog and M. Bison and Vega, they actually had their names rotated because when they designed Balrog, who we think of as Balrog in the American version, he's a boxer who looks a lot like Mike Tyson. And now think of the names M. Bison and Mike Tyson. So maybe you see where I'm going with this. In the original, uh, in the Japanese version, the boxer was M. Bison, and he was designed after Mike Tyson. And it wasn't until they wanted to release this thing in the U.S. that somebody went, hey, wait a minute. Uh, they're going to figure this out right away, and we're going to get sued. So <laughs> what they did was they rotated. Uh, his name, he became Balrog. And then, um, then you had the other switch between... Uh, Vega and uh, and the the new M Bison. The funny thing about this is it actually worked. Like those of us who were playing it in the '90s, not a whole lot of people made that connection. I never heard about that until I was an adult, and I it it never even came close to crossing my mind. I I never would have figured that out. And I mean, at that time, like everybody knew Mike Tyson and everybody knew Street Fighter. And like I said, I don't I don't recall it ever coming up. There was also some funny con well. Maybe not funny. There was some controversy with the what they call the attract mode. In the original versions of Street Fighter 2, if you leave the game alone without playing it or without messing with it for a few minutes, it, it does different things to attract players to the machine. So it, it'll show two computer players fighting to show you what the game is like. It'll show you title screens, high scores, and then it has this weird animation thing. It shows, it sort of scrolls in from this like business park setting and there are these two guys fighting in front of a crowd in the street and I, I get it street fighters but these are not characters from the game and it doesn't have anything to do with the actual story it's just a scene of two guys fighting even though it's weird and kind of pointless it has become sort of an iconic scene um, they they parodied this in uh, the beginning of Super Meat Boy but, but when American audiences saw this it started coming up that like this is a, a weird animation of a white guy punching out a black guy. And people were like, you know, this is sort of weird and racist. I, I don't think it was ever intended to be racist. I don't think the person who made it was racist. But uh, this meant enough to people that in the later versions of the game, uh, console ports and stuff, uh, this turned into two white guys punching each other out. Like, why even include the scene <laughs> if, it, if it means this much to people? Um, but they took the time to redo that with a white dude getting punched out. So, and you can see that in the Genesis version. One of the last cool things about Street Fighter 2, the updated versions, including um, Hyper Fighting and Champion Edition, were largely influenced by those hacked versions of the game that you saw in the bootleg cabinets. Um, some were just basically copies of the game, but some of them had like these cool changes to the game where the characters moved faster or you could use the same characters against each other. Capcom actually followed suit when they saw these hacked 
versions of their game and said, you know, we need to capitalize on this. And I read that there was a lot of sort of um, controversy within the team about whether or not they wanted to do this. And they said, oh, you know, we developed this a certain way on on purpose and we're not going to let these other people do it. And when they made the changes, they were super popular. Like the, more people remember those later versions than they do plain old Street Fighter 2. And on a more personal note, I will say this is one of the arcade cabinets I would love to own. I would I would say it's in the top three arcade games I would love to have in my house one day. Some version. I don't know if, for sure if it would be Street Fighter 2. It'd probably be Champion Edition. You would run into that in the arcades. I think I think that'd be the best one. But when my wife and I came to tour this house that we moved into a few years ago, when we came and walked through it the first day it was on the market, it still had all of the belongings of the previous homeowners in the house. So they just left the house and we got to walk, walk around, look at their stuff. We got down to the basement storage area, which is now my, it's still storage, but it's also my weightlifting room and surplus tech equipment, all that sort of stuff. When we walked in there and I turned around, I was like, <gasps> because this dude had an original Street Fighter II arcade cabinet just tucked in the corner of this storage room. And I doubt that it was working because it was unplugged and it wasn't really even faced in the best direction. It was sort of pa faced parallel to the wall instead of per perpendicular like you would want to play it. And I was, I, I couldn't believe this guy had this thing. And I, I told my wife, I'm like, we need to work this into the purchase offer. Um, just tell them straight up, like, we will throw in an extra however many hundred dollars or whatever, and you leave the cabinet behind and off you go. And unfortunately, <laughs> relations between us and the sellers were strained, like, right away. Um, apparently it was our fault they had to move, and so they took it out on us. Including, like, not only did we not get to talk about stuff like, hey, it'd be cool if we could buy this from you if you don't need it. Maybe I could actually fix it and take care of it properly. Uh, instead of getting to have conversations like that, we had conversations between my wife and I where I walked through the storage area and went, oh, I see they climbed up a ladder, cut the pull strings, they, they turned on the light bulbs in the, the storage room, cut off the pull strings, and left. And so now we have to get a ladder and climb up there and fix this uh, really pointless calorie-burning vandalism they committed on their way out of their own home. So... Big F you to those guys. Uh, not that uh, they would be listening. So let's talk about why this game is in the news. Capcom is reissuing Street Fighter 2. And you ask, why is Capcom reissuing this 20-something-year-old game? I'll say this. They say it's about the 30th anniversary of the entire Street Fighter series. So that means... that I, I believe that means 30 years since the release of Street Fighter 1. Which... Very few people have even ever played. I, I tried it as a grown-up and really didn't like it at all. But so, so they picked a random game in the series, which was Street Fighter 2, and they said, we're going to re-release this, and they're selling, they're selling thousands of these. We'll get into the specifics in a minute. But I, I can't help but think they're doing this because of the timing with the SNES Classic Edition that's about to come out. I think... I think Capcom is banking on the fact that Nintendo is about to make interest in the SNES skyrocket for the first time in 20 years, and I think they're counting on the fact that almost no one is going to have one. So do they 
Do they have inside information? I don't know. I think we all realize we're screwed at this point, right? So I think they're counting on a big resurgence of people going out and buying actual, like, full-size SNES consoles, and then maybe they'll spend an extra hundred bucks on this reissued Street Fighter 2. So for that reason, they're teaming up with someone or something called IM8-Bit to manufacture 5,000 units total of the Street Fighter 2 cartridge for the Super NES. They will either come in colors described as opaque Ryu headband red, or uh, 1,000 of them will randomly be glow-in-the-dark Blanca green. And again, it costs $100, and they start shipping in late November. And, uh, I mean, yeah, it, it includes a fancy booklet and some useless printouts, but mostly you're, you're buying a $100 reprint of a Super Nintendo cartridge on which you can play Street Fighter 2. Now, it's worth noting that this thing has, like, a big giant paragraph about how flammable this piece of crap is going to be. <laughs> Here it is. Use of this reproduction game cartridge on the SNES gaming hardware may cause the SNES console to overheat or catch fire. That's the first sentence. The SNES hardware is deemed a vintage collectible, so please exercise extreme caution when using the product and make sure there is fire extinguishment equipment nearby. Use of the product is at sole risk of the user. The product is sold as is. Neither IM8Bit Incorporated nor Capcom Co. LTD make any representation or warranty express or implied of any kind, including any warranty merchant merchantability, that word, of fitness for a particular use, or that the product is safe to use, and they shall have no liability for damage to property like your effing house burning down, or damage to persons like you being engulfed in flames. Arising from use of the product, Nintendo of America is in no way associated with the release of this product. Boy, oh boy. So, house fires aside, the main reason this product is absurd at this point is that the SNES Classic Edition is re-releasing a game two releases newer from the Street Fighter series at almost the exact same time. It's $20 cheaper, and I'm, I'm talking about... Um, Street Fighter 2 Turbo Hyperfighting, and the SNES Classic Edition has 20 more games, again at a cheaper price point. Not to mention, of course, this requires a working Super Nintendo that this game will apparently turn into a faulty toaster. Uh, $100 is too much to ask for this product, especially if it's going to burn your damn house down. I checked Twitter, and Twitter pretty much agrees with me. Uh, my buddy Brazel the Gamer from... Um, Gaming Rebellion, uh, at Brazel the Gamer on Twitter. He says, when do we see the YouTube videos of people trying to get it to catch fire? And I say probably immediately, like maybe the day before release. I, th <laughs> I think there's going to be a big push. It's going to be like, you remember um, on The Office when Andy Bernard is trying to get the um, his company's printer to uh, catch fire on, on camera? And somebody's messing with him, so they try to help him make this video, and then it does catch fire, and that guy gets scared for his job. It's it's going to be a lot of that stuff. And ho hopefully no one gets hurt with this thing. At Above Up on Twitter says, Street Fighter 2 is being reprinted for three times the price of an or original cartridge and a risk it'll burn your house down. What a steal. Yeah, I, I agree. At Dragon 101 says, $100 for a copy of Street Fighter 2 for SNES? Capcom, didn't you learn anything years back? 
Now, this is relevant because during the SNES console port of Street Fighter 2, Capcom sort of failed to meet the demand for the product, and so the price for the game actually went up to like 140 bucks at one point, which is, was ridiculous then as it is now. So there you have it. Street Fighter 2 is about to set the world on fire one more time. All right, looks like we went about full time after all, which is great. I love spending time doing this and I will always try to make time in my schedule for, for stuff like this because I just like to do it. So I hope you like to uh, follow along and um, hear what's going on in the gaming world. If you haven't yet, I would love if you would stop by iTunes, Google Play, Stitcher Radio. There are a ton of places to subscribe to the show. You can uh, also do it on SoundCloud. If you would uh, consider leaving a great review, if you're enjoying the show, share it with a friend. That would help out a bunch. I'm going to keep trying to get uh, guests on the show. I'm going to get my buddy Ray back. We'll have John back again. I've got some other people in mind people with interesting ideas as it pertains to gaming and again this this week is busy but uh, it'll be back to usual next week may stick with one show a week for another week or two in any case let me know what you guys think about the street fighter thing tell me what else is on your mind and i would love to talk about it until then my name's todd mitchell you guys keep playing and i will talk to you next week next week